Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Chaplaincy on the Go podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the Fearless Family of Churches, and I'm your host, Josh Zorhoff, and we are excited to continue our conversation with Steve Carter talking about the thing beneath the thing. In our first conversation with Steve, we talked about triggers and we talked about hideouts. And now we're going to get into a conversation that continues on to talk about insecurities and narratives that we tell ourselves and even touch on a little our need for grace. But in this conversation, we're going to talk a little bit about marriage and how the thing beneath the thing impacts our marriages and also other relationships in our lives. And we're going to talk a little bit about the need to be vulnerable with other people, specifically how we can take off our masks and share our, our real self with the people that we're closest to, the people that we love. And, and we're going to talk a little bit about how to rebuild trust in relationships. So this is going to be a really helpful conversation. If you're listening in and you have not checked out the the first part of this, the last conversation we had with Steve, I'm going to recommend that you you push pause on this episode, go back and listen to the first conversation we had with Steve. This is part two, and we're also going to enter into part three in our next episode. But but for now, if you haven't listened in to the conversation with Steve, go ahead and listen to that first one, and then join us You know, for this conversation, this now conversation, as we enter into the continuation of Steve's book, The Thing Beneath the Thing. We're going to get started right now. The problem is, and, and C.S. Lewis just calls evil. He just says it's just co-opted good, right? Yes. And, you know, so we can co-opt sex, we can co-opt money, we can co-opt power, we can co-opt anything, and it, and and just whatever was meant for good, we just co-opt it. And yeah. and the problem is, is do you see this in marriages? You know, like the the amount of alcohol that was up, the amount of marriages that are on the rocks post pandemic, it's 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 unbelievable. But you, I think that that rent. You know, I love how you said that, 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 that bill is coming due. What, what I think is starting to happen is we use in that welcome prayer language, like affection. Yeah. We used sex or we used entertainment, entertainment. We use this yes. to, for our own benefit. Yes. Not actually for intimacy. Yes. Or we, connection. We used it as an escape. As an escape. So a, I counsel couples on the regular. And (laughs) the other day I was talking to a couple and we got onto the topic of intimacy in marriage. And they said, oh, we don't have a problem in that category. And I said, wait, are we talking about sex? And they're like, well, yeah. And I said, well, what would you say if I said that there was emotional intimacy, physical, non-sexual intimacy, mental intimacy, spiritual intimacy, and sexual intimacy. What if intimacy was five realities coming together at once? How would you say you're doing in that category? And they didn't have some, they didn't have anything to say. And I think you're right. If we're not careful, the very things that could be something that unify us to our spouse become something that actually causes a wedge. Because if we do it without the healing that we need, we can dehumanize our spouse 
And you can do that through sex. You can do that through communication. You can do that through a lot of different ways. Because oftentimes our spouse, our, our, my wife, she is the lightning rod to the storm in my soul. Yeah. Wow. It's good language. And, and she's not the problem. Yeah. And what she said, isn't the problem. It's just a trigger yep. that I've been hiding from Yep. because deep down inside, I have an insecurity that needs to be addressed. Yep. That's so good. And, and again, that insecurity, that's like the perfect word because that's the actual third letter. So triggers, hideouts, insecurity. And this is when we get triggered, when we create false stories about ourselves. And all insecurity really is, is you gaslighting you, you gossiping about you. Mm. And, and again, we're, we're taught don't gossip about another person, which is basically Plato theology where you shape and form someone and you get other people to believe it. The problem is, is what insecurity is, is you shaping and forming a story about yourself that's not true and you actually believing it and living from that place. Totally. And, and and I've seen it. I've seen it in leadership where, you know, someone gets triggered in the insecurity and they just power down, you know, and I, I, I've i seen it where people get triggered in the insecurity and they'll put on a mask of like, I got a pleaser or, or, you know, in your language that you've talked about with, with all of the F's, you know, the fawning, you know, where we just got like, I just got to make that person happy, you know, and yes. you, you have that sense of the performer. And that's where often my insecurity would come out. I got to perform. I got to, I got to move this room. You've got the perfecter. I can't be wrong. You've got the pretender. They're just pretending that they know. And then sometimes what I, I didn't ever know, but I, I grew up in a house where I learned how to, to walk on eggshells. I I knew how to read a room Mm. because I had to manage the emotions Mm. of the family system. Mm. And when one of the parents would lose control. They would power up and they would start screaming or yelling or hitting the table. And all they were trying to do was regain control. Yes. And what I, I always thought insecurity was just powering down, but now I'm realizing, oh, insecurity's powering up too. Totally. You know, totally. and, and, and so I think everyone has to recognize, Hey, when I get triggered, what, it's not just what I'm feeling and going to the hideout. It's also like, what are the lies that I'm believing to be true? Yes. And in like Christine Kane language, where she taught me from the Genesis story, you've got to interrogate those lies yes. back to the garden of who told, who told you, that? you that? Yes. Did God really say, you know, who told you that? And you realize like, oh, that was, that was my unwell parent or that was my my teacher who hasn't done their work or that was my yeah. boss who actually that was about something something else but I took the brunt of it yeah but I'm holding on to it and it's got a me in like a headlock yeah. and I'm making decisions from that and so really beginning to 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 sit with that and realizing gosh I don't, I don't want to be someone who wears a mask and, you know, Josh, you and I've talked about this, you know, over the years, but the word hypocrite actually is a word actor means to wear a mask. But the, but what's amazing about Greek language is if you put the letter a in front of a word, it means anti. So if you put the letter a in front of hypocrite, it's like anti-hypocrite, but that word is what we translate sincere. 
which means to drop the mask. Drop the and mask. I th- yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons I love you so much is because you're, you're sincere. And when we, when we chop and talk, like you let me know what's, what's life like with Pike as a dad of a seven-year-old, what's, what's going on with your marriage. You know, there, there isn't this like facade. There is a, this is, this is where I'm at. This is the struggle. And, and you trust me enough to to hold that with you. Mm-hmm. And there's that connection, even if it's an insecure thought and we got to, we got to sit and hold that, talk about it. You got to do that for me, but it's, it's not us like living out of that. It's like letting us shine a light on it and go, ah, that's not true. That's not, it's not true. true. Yes. And I think, so one of the things that I've talked about on this podcast and I talk about in counseling is that the only way to heal from past wounds truly, and they're finding this, this is current neuroscience research Mm. that even secular scientists are saying, if you want to heal from past pain and past trauma, the only way you can do it is in safe confessing communities. Wow. Yes. That if you don't have a person who is safe, that you can be, because it doesn't it's not like you, it's, you don't wake up one morning and say, I'm going to blow up my house or I'm going to blow up my family or I'm going to blow up whatever. I'm going to destroy everything like you said, but you also don't wake up one day and say, okay, everybody's safe. Right. Yep. Um, so you have to learn sometimes the hard way of who is a safe person, who can I be real with, who can I be vulnerable with? I'd like to say that you're going to find that in a counseling setting. I'd like to say you're going to find that in a church, but there are some people who've gone to counseling and they were hurt more. There were some people who went to church and they were hurt more. I heard a priest once say, no spiritual care is better than bad spiritual care. And it's true that learning how to be vulnerable usually means you had to go through some pain to get there. Yeah. Learning how to take down that mask and say, I'm afraid. I'm ashamed. I got nothing else. And you could really hurt me. You, Steve, you could really hurt me with what you know about me. My wife could really hurt me with what she knows about me because I'm I'm working hard to take that mask off. But if I don't go through that, I can't heal. And my insecurities will drive me the rest of my life. Yep. 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 Okay. Let me, let me try this on. And I'd love, I'd honestly love your thoughts about this. I've been working with this math formula because everything that you're talking about, I makes so much sense. The safe confessing communities, um, the vulnerability and the way that I've been kind of framing this is is this person worthy of my trust mm-hmm. right and and so to be trustworthy equals safe plus consistent again and again over and over on repeat and that constantly what we're looking for are is this person safe and are they consistent if they're unsafe or inconsistent, it's not worthy of me trusting them with that vulnerability. And But if that person is safe, consistent, again and again, over and over on repeat, man, that that allows me to believe, like you hold such good space, you know, whether we've been in downtown Holland, whether we've been in Chicagoland, like you hold, you've been safe and consistent again and again. 
for me, it's like, oh, I know I can share something. You'll hold it well. And, and so that's been one of the things that I've been thinking about as I evaluate my relationships. Oh, yeah, this person's worthy of trust. This person's safe. So, play with that. I, I'm, okay. I'm not saying I'm, I'm right. No, it, I, play with it. No, no, no. So I, um, I have to, I almost, I'm chuckling because there's, there's two things I want to say in this. One is a little shorter. The other is a little longer. Um, the short version is I feel like you are sitting in my counseling sessions when I'm talking to married <laughs> couples who are trying to overcome pornography, infidelity, mm. past hurts. Uh, because one inevitably says, I don't trust you when you say this. Yeah. I don't trust you when you say this. I And I don't know if you, like you've done some marriage counseling. You have yep. to, every pastor yep. has to. There is a phenomenon that occurs where one spouse will give and give and give and give and give. And then it's almost like this switch like shuts off. And it takes an incredible amount of force to get that switch to turn back on. Because the minute it's off, it's like, I have given everything I have to this relationship. You haven't listened. I'm better off without you. And once that's gone, the amount of effort to get it back is so hard to yeah. overcome. And the other spouse is like, what? I thought everything was fine. Yeah. And it isn't until that extreme switch. And whenever a spouse says, I don't trust you, I come back with a financial kind of conversation. And I, I ask him, do you know why Black Friday is called Black Friday? Black Friday is called Black Friday because most big box stores run in the red all year until Thanksgiving. And then the holiday season hits and they finally move into the black. Wow. wow. And you can do that if you're a big box store you cannot do that if you are in a marriage, mm. because if you are constantly picking, poking, prodding, hurting, if you throw infidelity on that, or you're not listening, or you're denying your spouse in some way because of your own stuff and, and your own crap, and you keep taking withdrawals yep. from your marriage, you're going to be running in the red. Yep. And the minute your spouse said, I am tired of living in the red, I'm declaring bankruptcy. It's too late to get back into the black. Mm. So I say, how do we get then? How do we get back into the black? That's the question. Yes. In your marriage, in your relationship, how do you get back into the black? Consistent, consistent, consistent effort. Yes. Bro, that's... I. I I love that in the red and the, over to the black. That's such good imagery. And yeah, the consistency. And and I think too, it's it's recognizing, oh, you said you would do this and you and you did it. And 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 then sometimes some of us like for me, I'm always like, Did you see? Did you see? Did you see? And 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 yet at the time it's like really like for me, I I just have to get to that part, that point for me to say, Oh, I'm doing this not because she told me to doing this because that's what a safe consistent, consistent person would and person. do yes exactly yes. exactly so it's yes. it's and that's i think the beauty of marriage is it's a mirror to our beauty and brokenness and really it's a mirror to the thing beneath the thing those deeper wounds and 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 i think you know as we we think about the triggers or the hideouts or the insecurities 
you know, what we saw really and, and, you know, billions and billions of dollars every day, it feels like are pumped into the, to the, the social media and news is to, is narratives and they're, yep. and they're creating false stories about other people. And, totally. and so the world wants us divided. News companies want us divided. Um, we, 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 we are almost trained Mm. to algorithms are created to keep us divided because if you can create an us versus them, you know how to target, you know how to sell, you, you know, like it is, it's, it's business. All it is is business. And the problem is, is many of us have just gotten so swept up into it is now we're like, Oh, all those people, all those, them, uh, you know, they, they, them though. But, and, and all of a sudden you realize like, oh my goodness, like I'm, I'm not seeing the Imago day. I'm not no. seeing the image of God. I'm not seeing the goodness in someone. Mm. I'm just seeing um, something that has been almost kind of told to me to believe about another person. And, yeah. and again, if you don't, if you don't think that this is true, just, I'll say a couple of words, Facebook, Twitter, um, you know, you know where real crazy lives, and I know crazy is not a great word to say. You um is is the next door app, you know, and and this is like right in our neighborhood, two doors down. That person and and you sit there and you're like, you could have just walked over to that person and had a conversation, but we've gotten so the ability to shoot out an email, to go online, to put someone on blast, to and. And I just sit here, it's like almost we've lost how to be human to another. Yep. Yeah, we had an incident in our house um, a while back. Um, an angry parent sent an email to my wife. Mm. And I'm still working through that. Because, and this is really fascinating. So I learned this just a couple of days ago in yeah. Colorado, um, working with a guy named Steve Cuss. You know Steve Cuss. Legend. Legend. At a conference there, uh, they told us that it takes three seconds or less for shame to enter into our bodies. So when we hear a narrative that is negative and critical, in three seconds or less, it soaks into our bodies and starts to affect us, mind, body, and soul. Mm. Three seconds. It takes three minutes for a story of grace and love and truth to soak in. Mm. It literally takes 10 to 30 times longer to believe a true story about ourselves than a negative critical one. Hmm. And I bore witness to that in my my wife. She has been a teacher for 20 years, and she has given everything that is good of herself into her career. And I spent five minutes telling her positive stories that I remember and recalled. And it was still a challenge to overcome one criticism one narrative. And that's, I think that's a really important, that's a really important transition of telling ourselves a more true story 
requires us to believe something about ourselves that only grace can tell us. Yeah. And, um, and you need to hear that a lot. My friend Dave, who's been on the podcast as well, says that uh, the stories we believe are the stories we look for and the stories we live. So good. And and I I wonder, Steve, how does grace play a role? Yeah. In all of yeah. this. Yeah. No, I think that's you know, and it's so powerful because I've never thought about that three seconds, three minutes. But as I, as you're talking about that, I'm just sitting like, oh man, yeah, it's so easy because in those three seconds, that shame, what, what you feel in your body and you, yeah, that angst and that frustration, you, it, it, there's an energy to it, mm. to the, to even just like, oh, that's terrible. That just like, you feel it in your body. And, and I think what's hard for many of us is in the tenderness of sitting and receiving the truth of who we are, the goodness of grace. I think many of us are less familiar in doing that. Mm. We are so much more familiar with the feelings of shame because of the culture and reality of what we live in. Yeah. And, and so I think, again, making a decision against ourselves sometimes is just learning how to receive grace. Yeah. And, you know, I, I feel like I remember the things I ought to forget and I forget the things I ought to remember. And, and remembering that the unfair advantage that every follower of Christ has is that we have grace mm. that we have not just like this gift from here to there being heaven, but the one, one writer, um, from way back used to call it sanctifying grace. And it's a big word, but what he talked about was it's the spiritual process to becoming whole and holy and spiritually healthy. Mm. And that's what grace does is it, it fills in those potholes so that they don't become sinkholes. It, it really gets to the thing beneath the thing where you can start to look and go, gosh, that wasn't about me. Mm. That was, that was the unchecked work of my father or my mother mm. or pastor or friend. That mm. And, and yet now I've got to, do this inner work. It's my responsibility now, but my responsibility is to rest in the grace yeah. and rest in who I actually was created and intended to be. And I think for me, that's learning to sit in that tenderness and, and, and to actually receive that grace has been profoundly life changing. Um, I, I've, you know, I just got back from a two day intensive where looked at a really traumatic situation when in my elementary years and, and just learning to go, man, how to, how to invite grace into that, how to actually understand a lot of the decisions that I've made yeah. came out of reaction to that yeah. feeling, which was powerlessness. Yeah. And anytime I've ever felt powerless, I tend to react and escape in certain ways yeah. just so I don't feel that. Yeah. But to look and go, how does grace actually fill that 
start to bring healing. And, and sometimes it's once, sometimes, but the majority of it is that process of continuing to go to the well of grace and just drink and sit and rest in that. But in that for me is, has been the gift, the true gift um, and truly an unfair advantage uh, that I feel like we all have that. And I love what Dallas Willard says. He says that saints should burn through grace faster than sinners ever could because we just know how much we need it right in every pothole we need it we just we just keep coming to that fount of grace because it's it's everything well that was an incredibly helpful conversation with steve as we continued on talking about insecurities and narratives that shape us and add and contribute to this thing beneath the thing. And we just want to say that if you were encouraged to tackle something like an insecurity or a narrative or some of what we talked about in marriage or in relationships challenged you a little bit, reach out to us at chaplaincy at fearlessfollower.org. We'd love to give you some resources. We'd love to lean in. If you're looking for some ways to grow as you tackle that thing beneath the thing, we want to help. And we'd love to help facilitate some of that growth or at least point you in the right direction. If this was encouraging for you in any way, would you just share this with a friend? Maybe subscribe to the podcast or give us a like, uh, follow us for more information. We would love to continue this dialogue on emotional wellness and health. And if you work for a company that would like to have a conversation on mental health or emotional health or navigate some of these things that drive our behavior, we would love to partner with you in some way. You can learn more about who we are at fearlesschaplaincy.org. And we would love to continue this conversation. We're looking forward to a continuation of, of this conversation with Steve Carter in part three in our next episode as we land more on how grace impacts us and how we need other people to journey with us as we tackle the thing beneath the thing. So we hope you'll join us for that next conversation. Stay tuned for that. We'll see you next time.